So today we are going to pick up where we left off before the I Am Second series. And if you remember, we've been in the book of Romans this year, going chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we've been exploring the riches of this magnificent book in the Bible. There's been a lot of richness that has come from the study of Romans, and it's just a wonderful thing that we are going to finish it in this year. Today we're going to look at what the scriptures tell us about state government. And I forgot one very important piece that is going to kind of fit right here. Talking about state government, the Lord really blessed Living Word Chapel last week. And he did so by uh, our student ministry getting a gift. And I will let Pastor Washburn kind of give us a kind of a synopsis of what happened right there. So P-Dubs, come on up and talk to us about what entailed from this meeting that you had with a authority in, the, in Pinal County. They didn't want to arrest me, so that was a good thing, right? <laughs> right, Pastor? That's a good thing. Um, so... Like Pastor said, uh, the church in Ignite Student Ministries, which is a ministry of LWC, um, had the opportunity to meet with um, Paul Babu in uh, Pinell County Sheriff's Office. And they presented the church and the student ministries with a $2,500 check. And uh, so praise God. Yeah, it was really, that was a blessing. You know, it was from the Lord. And uh, they had heard about our student ministries, had met one of our youth leaders, heard about some things that we were doing in the community, because we're always trying to get out in the community in some way, and so he wanted to meet with us, and uh, he asked us for a letter, just kind of uh, telling what we do here and what our student ministries has been doing in the community, and they, uh, they presented to us last Saturday, not this Saturday, but Saturday before, with a check, and uh, they said that they really appreciate what our church what our youth group is doing in the community, how we're, we're trying to make a difference for Jesus. I told him, you know, we're trying to get teenagers to make positive choices in everything they do. And then we had the opportunity to talk about what we've seen in the community as far as with our teenagers, with alcohol, underage drinking and uh, drugs and different things that have been going on. If you don't know, that goes on. And uh, how we can make a difference. And I told him, I know that with Jesus, we can make a difference. And uh, with us cooperating with uh, the sheriff's department that we can make a difference, right? Because sometimes you got to take steps. You can't just step, stand back and watch. And so God has really been moving, and uh, we're just very thankful. We're thankful for his favor, right? Sometimes God, God always puts favor on his people, and uh, he's put favor on you. He's put favor on pastor and his church, and so I'm just very thankful for that opportunity and very blessed about what they did for us. So. Thank you. So as we look at what the scriptures tell us about state government, I think it's
instituted by God. The second thing that we see is that God provided order for humanity. He provided government. And you see when Noah came out of the ark that he said if any person kills another person, that person needs to be dealt with. And he brought some order and structure into humanity. So he began to implement government. And the third thing, the, the, probably the greatest institution that God has brought to humanity is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. And those are God's called out people. And the gates of death and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know where life, lives are changed? In the church. Where difference is made is in the church. Well, we're not going to talk about the church in general today, or specifically, and we're not going to talk about marriage, but we will talk about government today. And we will see what the Word of God tells us from that. Here's what I know for sure. The Bible directs God's people to live honorable lives and to honor those in authority. Romans 13 gives us some clear direction. So whether you're Republican or you're Democrat or you're independent, put that aside. You're a Christian. Are you with me? And as a Christian, we submit ourselves not to a party, but to the kingdom of God. And if that is our rule and that is our leading, then we will make a difference wherever we're at. We're not supposed to be divisive. We're supposed to be those that represent Jesus in a dark place, in a dark road. And I have to say this, beloved, no matter what party, no matter what, no matter where we go, there's some dark things that are going on, and we need Jesus everywhere to permeate those places. I see four factors that will guide Christians in our relationship to government. And believe me, as I was, as I was putting this together, the Lord was reproofing my life. He was, he was, look, he was showing me, PJ, this is what you need to work on. This is some things. So I'm not speaking down. I'm saying, Lord, it's coming to me first. Because the Bible speaks to every one of us. So here's the four factors. Let me pray first of all. Father, thank you for this first service. As always, we want to hear from you. As we open up your word, we ask that you give us clarity and understanding. And as I speak... I pray, Lord God, that everything that is said will glorify the name of Jesus. And when we leave here today, may we have a better understanding of government and your role in government and our role with government. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first factor is the fear factor. There's four factors that we're going to look at. The fear factor. Look at how the Bible teaches us to have a healthy fear of those who are in authority. There is nothing wrong with having a healthy fear of people in authority. It says everyone must submit to governing authorities. What does everyone mean? Everyone. Preachers are not exempt. Bank clerks are not exempt. It doesn't matter who we are. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. Grab a hold of that. All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. Remember when Pontius Pilate was about to crucify Jesus? He said, don't you know I have the authority to crucify you? And Jesus said, you would have no authority unless it was given from above. 
Are you with me? So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. When you pass a DPS officer on Highway 77 and you're going the speed limit, you're calm. But if you're going five over, your heart starts to go. If you're going ten over, you're done. But in those who are doing wrong, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good, but if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So God is in the... His, his heart is for there to be good government. Amen? And good government punishes things or people that are doing wrong. Bad government doesn't deal with it. You with me? Is that helpful in the schools? Is that helpful in our jobs? Definitely, you have to deal with things that are, are wrong. And you have to honor those things that are right. Now, do people do that right all the time? No, because we live in a sin-felt world where people fall short. But this is God's ordained plan that this should be like this. So the Bible teaches us that there is a God-given authority for government that should produce a healthy fear to those who are living lives that are harmful to the state and the welfare of its citizens. In other words, rapists should be fearful that they will be punished for their crime. Murderer, a murderer should be fearful that he or she will be punished for their crime. Why don't people usually, first of all, when you go murder, usually it's demonic, it's led by the enemy, the enemy leads people to do things, or it's anger in, 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 infused and things like that. Those things happen, but the reality is that when most people... Don't go and kill people. I'm saying most. Some people do, but my minority. But most people don't. Why? Because you're fearful that if you do, they're going to be put in prison. Amen? Are you with me? And that's a, that's a very, very healthy fear right there. Now, God is not responsible for those in government who misuse their authority. And there are some in government that misuse their authority. Are you with me? In fact, he will judge those in authority who use their le leadership in a sinful way. The reality is that everyone is going to give an account to God one of these days. And that's the beautiful thing about having a God who is over all, is that we, we can grasp and understand that everyone will give an account. But even when we have those in office that we may not like or agree with, and I know that no one in first service has a problem with anyone in office right now. <laughs> even when we have those in office that we may not like or agree with, we must always respect the office. 
I love it the way, uh, I, I love the way that Dr. Warren Wiersbe, Bible teacher, put it like, he put it like this. He said, even though we cannot always respect the man in office, we must always respect the office. For government was ordained by God. <clears throat> a society that respects authority is a society which will thrive. We're losing this, beloved. We're losing this. Authority, st respect starts in the home. And from the home, it moves into the schools. And from the schools, it moves into society. And you look at government, and you may not like the person. You might not uh, like what they're doing. But you should be respecting the office. And when we do that, it honors God. When we think about it this way, that when we respect the office, it honors God, it will make you desire to do that so that you can be pleasing our Father in heaven. The Bible gives us a revelation that God is working out his master plan and his sovereignty it has allotted different boundaries and leaders. In other words, God has a plan. He's not scratching his head wondering what is happening with the government, what is happening with this country. In fact, when the Apostle Paul spoke to the Athenians in, in Athens, he said this. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. And then he said, for from one man, he made all the nations. Who would that one man be? Adam. And then he said that they should inhabit the whole earth. So when God formed Adam, God had a plan that man would go out into the whole earth by, by multiplying the earth and all kinds of different things. And because God is God... He knows what people will do. Before Peter ever denied Jesus, Jesus told them, as Peter said, I'll never leave you. I will never run away from you. He said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. Let me tell you something. God knows everything. He's not scratching his head right now thinking what is happening in this country or that country. He's not scratching his head. He's saying, seek me, my people. Seek me and my will. But look at what he says. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. In other words, every person, every Every boundary, every state, every country, God has ordained it by his hand. That just freaks us out, don't it? It helps us to grasp that God is not up in heaven thinking, what am I going to do now? Instead, he's saying, my people, honor me wherever you're at. The interesting thing about this is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, they wrote the same kinds of things because the Bible is in unison. And they said you need to respect authority. You need to pray for those that are over you, those leaders. 
And they were under the most wicked emperors that you could ever know. Caligula, Nero, the Caesars. But they submitted to authority. I mean, I mean, that just really freaks us out as Americans. But the reality is, beloved, the Bible is here to give us the instruction that we need so that we can make a difference where we're at. Let's not get mad and do things that are unchristian. Let's get angry and not sin and go before the Father and pray so that there's positive change in our hearts and beyond. Amen? I put here instead, God desires for his people to seek him for guidance and for direction so that he could lead us in his will, especially in the matters of our state and government. Number two, here's number two, factor number two, the conscience factor. So we move beyond fear to conscience. Our relationship to our government authority should be one of good conscience. Romans continues in verse 5, and the Bible goes on to say, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Do you see the progression there? I know you guys are going like, what? The Bible says that? Yeah. The Bible talks to us about submitting ourselves to the, to the governing authorities. Now, I'm not on the payroll of the government. Let me just tell you that right now. I'm preaching the word. Now, when there's government that goes skewed and they're doing things that are, that are, that are uh, um, infringing the, the reality and, the, and even the good conscience of people, then God's people need to rise up and make a difference. I say this all the time. We're blessed that we live in a nation where we're able to do three wonderful things. We're able to pray to, in public. You know, in the United States of America, people can still go to the uh, city capital or the, or the state capital or the national capital, and they can pray and have a prayer visual. We can do that. You know what else you can do? You can vote. When things are not going the way that we think, it's not the politicians. It's the people. That reflects where the people are. Are you with me? We vote. For those people that are in office. So when the majority is voting the wrong way, we need to start praying and we need to start making a difference in the church. Where the word of God is preached and going out into our society and letting them see that there's a difference, beloved. There, there is a difference between God's people and people that don't walk with God. And the difference is that we walk in the light. And that we're people of grace. And that other people need Jesus Christ. And as we do that, then God begins to change hearts. How many people, how many people in here did you come out of a life of yuck and maybe, maybe even made choices that, that now you would say, I would never make those choices before, but Jesus changed your heart. And he even changes the way that we vote now. 
Are you with me? And I think that Christians, because we have that right, we should all be voting to make a difference. And the third thing, the third thing that I think is very important, beloved, not only can we pray and we should be praying, not only should we vote, because we can vote, praise the Lord for that, but the third thing, if you are not happy with the people that are running, you know what you do? You run. You run for office. I, 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 the, the last National Day of Prayer, I was able to hear one of our congresswomen give her testimony, an amazing testimony. I'm not even going to mention her name. She's a woman who loves Jesus, and all she talked about is how God brought her into this country. She's a naturalized citizen. And the Lord stirred her heart and said, I can make a difference. And she ran for government. And can I tell you what? She won. And now she's making a difference because she loves Jesus Christ. So instead of us talking wrongfully, let's do those three things. Pray, vote, and run. Just saying. It got really quiet in here. See, I love the way that the Apostle Paul said it in court. See, he, he, he's, he's before Felix, the governor, in the book of Acts. And he said something. And this, this, when I started walking with the Lord, the Lord began to really cement this in my heart. Paul said, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and before man. I have done, when I started walking with the Lord, I have done things wrong at times. That I, did, that I shouldn't have done. I'm not saying major things. But the things that I've done, I've always gone to people and tried to make them right. Hey, this is what I've done and I want to just tell you about this. Because it's an amazing thing to have a good conscience. The reality is we're not all going to live perfect lives because we're all sinners who sin. But we're really saints who sometimes sin. But... We should strive to live our lives in good conscience before God and before man. It's so important for us to be people of integrity. And this is the key to a godly life. Strive to keep our conscience clear. And our society will be a better place if we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to make this a common practice. One of the highlights of my, as I put this sermon together, my highlight of going to New Mexico, spending the, I spent the week with my mom, and as you all know, she's been ailing, and she's got a hospital bed in her, in my brother's house, and as I'm sitting with her, she says, Mijo, there's something that's very important you got to do for me today. I said, what is that? She said, well, bring me the checkbook, because I need to pay my taxes. <laughs> what? Mom! Right now, she says, yeah, bring my checkbook, and I want you to go to City Hall and go and pay my taxes. Ain't that amazing that right before I put this message together, that here my mother is, is saying this is very important. It's biblical. It's something that we should not complain about. And she's not complaining about it. She just said, here, Mule, two checks because I got a piece of property, and this is for my house. My house is paid for. Go pay my taxes. What a wonderful example for me to see her do that. The scriptures command us to pay our taxes and to keep our conscience clear. Number three, the love factor. The love factor. And here Paul leads us beyond the government to all people. 
The Holy Spirit leads him to emphasize that loving one another is the basic principle of the Christian life. So Paul writes, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. It's very, very important that we understand that we are not saved by the commandments because no one can keep them, but we're saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. And when his grace enters into our lives, there is a love that permeates our hearts and our soul. And from that love, it extends to other people. I love that it's in the context of don't owe anyone anything because debt destroys people's lives. And many of us have faced those problems before. Many of us have struggled in that department right there because we live in a society. Let's talk about society. We live in a society that tells us it's your right to have things right now. Don't wait on that 60-inch TV. Don't wait on that. Don't wait on that, uh, that, that prism, P-R-I-S-M, prism uh, 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 television or this prism uh, 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 network and all these different things. You can have the best and you can upgrade and, and people are getting into debt. And if you've ever been there, and believe me, I know what that's all about. It'll try to destroy you as an individual. It'll try to destroy you as a mar in your marriage. It'll try to destroy you in your family. So the Bible says it's love that leads us to not be in debt, but to love people. And I really, if you really grasp it, it helps us to understand how the way that we really show love is by giving. Amen? I mean, James said it perfectly. You tell someone you, you love them, you tell, you tell someone that you, uh, you know, that you care about them, and they're cold, and you don't give them their, your jacket, your cloak. He says, grace is, grace is dead. Faith is dead. But if you give them a jacket, if you give them something, if you bless them, going back to my sweet mom, that, day, that week that I thought she was dying, she was in, the, she was in ICU for a week, and, and, and she sat there. She was tell, giving us orders on how she wanted the, the funeral to go and things like that. And the one thing that stood out to me that was amazing goes along with what the scriptures are saying. Because when you're dying, you really find out what's important. You know that? You're not thinking about the car. You're not thinking about she, what she said was I have been blessed with many things. She said, I was able to give your, your, your brother the, our house, and God brought me another house. And I have this house, and it's paid for, and I want you to do this with it. And I was able to do this. And she said, never stop giving. Never stop giving. That impacted me so much. You know why? Because it's, it reveals love. 
But when we owe and we owe and we owe, and believe me, beloved, when I say this, I know from experience. I've had to make some heart, I've had to have some hard talks with people in authority because I've, I wanted to submit myself and have accountability. And that's another thing that people don't have accountability. Are you with me? But love, love embraces accountability. And love embraces the yearning to give. And that's what Jesus did. What changes us is integrity and honesty. The love of God motivates us to talk about, talk to people with honesty and sincerity and begin to move away from the bondage of debt. And here at Living Word Chapel, we have, uh, we have brought in two ministries that have, well, one major, but many have been impacted by the other one. I'm going to mention them. At, at Living Word Chapel, we, we have done uh, a, a ministry called uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace. And because of that, it's led LWC to, to, to make the, take the steps to do what we've done. In other words, we built a, a building for the students, $190,000 is what it cost us, but we, ba we, we built it debt-free. That's the leading of Christ. And, and we've been able to help people um, through leaders like Nancy and Ron Llewellyn and, and uh, Ron, um, uh, Rob and Janet Walker. Um, they have led the financial peace ministry. And uh, I, uh, when I talked to Nancy and, and Ron, they paid thousands, thousands of dollars in debt. They, they, they have no debt. Nancy was telling us, uh, about six months ago, we have, they have no debt except for their house. And, and so that's a testimony to Christ. So the one thing is that we can, get, we can get to that place of debt, but there's an exit out of it, and that exit is through Jesus and through his love. Factor number four is the Jesus factor. The Christ factor, which simply leads us from fear to conscience to the love of God. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. The very genesis of wisdom is to fear, the, fear God. In, in, in uh, Romans chapter 1, Paul talked about our conscience and how, how God has given us the ability to recognize when we're doing wrong or right. But as we're led into Christ, what becomes the most important thing is the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, so that we could not perish but have everlasting life. And the beauty of it is that when you think about what Jesus did on the cross, is he paid our debt. 
Beloved, I'm dead free when it comes to my stand with God. Jesus paid it all. He paid for yesterday's. He paid for today's and he's going to pay for tomorrow. Praise him and his glorious name. If anything should motivate us to honor God with our lives and to clean up our ways, it should be the love of God that is in Christ. You see, commandments don't change our hearts. Christ does. And because of his love and because the day is coming when we will see him face to face, we should all strive to please him in every way. As the day gets closer, we should all be striving. See, today we're one day closer to seeing Jesus. And tomorrow you're going to be one day closer to seeing Jesus. In fact, right now, I'm one second closer. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Think, have you ever thought about it that way? We are, we are one second closer to seeing Jesus. Every second that we don't live a life to please him is a second that's wasted. Every minute is a wasted minute. That's why Paul ended this whole chapter. He says, this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is, and time is running out. This is 2,000 years ago. Wake up, for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness. Or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge your evil desires. Every day, we have a choice to put on Christ or to put on sin. When you think about this, beloved, when you think about every second, we're one second closer to seeing Jesus. It will change your perspective. It will change the way that you react. Can I tell you that every four years we get a president? They change over and over and over and over. Don't waste your time frustrated. Instead, spend your time putting on Christ and making a difference where you're at so that people will recognize like they recognize the student ministry because they're seeing a difference. And they gave a church $2,500. The government gave the church. That's Jesus. 
And I hear so many people wasting their time so mad at the government. This and that. And this, 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 this. You're wasting time. Put it on the prize. Put it on Jesus. Talk to someone about Jesus today. Every day and every night we have a choice. We can put on the Lord Jesus or we can put on the deeds of darkness. And let me tell you, every one of us in here is tempted to put on the deeds of darkness. Starting with me. Bombarded. I am bombarded by temptations. Take on, take on a pastoral role. Take on a lead pastor role and find out how the temptations are bombarded at you. But we have to make a choice to put on Christ every day. You know Shirley's testimony, 62 years of walking with Jesus, 62 years. And can I tell you, God has been good to her. You do not look 81 years old, Shirley. I'm telling you that right now. That's Jesus all over you. No, she's eight. Yeah. Yes. But that's the beauty of God right there. I'm done. I'm glad it's second service. So there's someone here today, God brought you here today. Let me just say this. God brought you here because he wants you to walk with Jesus. He brought you here for this. You think that you just came, something happened, there's a situation that went on, and I came to church. No, 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 no. God brought you here because he wanted you to hear a message, and he wants for you to begin to walk with him. So I want for heads to bow. And I want for us to just understand that today, right now, it's just about you and God. If you have never given your life and your heart to Jesus Christ, I invite you to make this life-changing decision today. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ and you know that you've been strayed, that you've been away from God, Today's your day to come back. And you know it is. And I'm going to pray this prayer with you, and I just want you to agree with me. It's pretty simple. It's just, God, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I am tired of trying to live my life in my own strength and in my own ways. Today, I am making a choice to turn from my sins and make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. I confess that he died for my sins on the cross at Calvary. Past, present, and future. I also believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day just 
as the scriptures said he would. I thank you for your complete forgiveness and eternal life. And I choose to follow Jesus in the fellowship of his church. Amen. Heads bowed. Because this is between you and God. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? If you're saying, you know what, this is people. Yes, I know. That, that, I, God brought you here, bro. Anyone else? Maybe you're coming back. I just love it when God brings people because I, I just know it. I see it. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Yes, I see your hand. And God brought you here. Yes, in the back, I see your hand. God brought you here. He brought you here because he wanted to tell you how much he loves you. He wants you to know that he's never going to leave you from this day forward. He never has. You left him. We do. We all do. But today is a day of destiny. Today is a day of rejoicing. Today is a day of change. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. And they might even be doing a cumbia, Mexican dance. Because that's what they do sometimes. It's a wonderful day and we give God praise. Tell someone what you've done. Mention it. Don't be ashamed of it. Say, you know what? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm walking with him now. You're not going to be perfect. You never will be. You're going to follow the perfect one. Amen? Let's stand up and worship our king. Three people gave their hearts to, the, to Jesus today. And these people, God brought them here. Let's all stand. Amen. God is amazing. And boy, do I have.